thank you for that kind introduction. Raise your hand if you were in my session yesterday. Raise my hand. People are glutton for punishment. Why don't you end your day and start your day with me? That's what my wife is always asking herself. Um, she's in the back of the room. Honey, would you turn around and wait? That's her. That's my wife. Um, so, I'm excited to talk about commercial today. I think there are a lot of misnomers about how you can go about building this portion of your business. And we're going to unpack some of those and we're going to talk about what I have found working with my owners to be the most direct route to generating large commercial repaint contracts. So the first thing we're going to talk to you about today, what you'll discover by the time you leave here, is how to generate leads for 40,000 plus square foot commercial repaints, how to sell facility managers your services, and how to maintain the relationship and fence out competitors. We really got big, three big flaws in the painting industry when it comes to this. Number one, we're too lazy to find them. Number two, once we find them, we're lazy about selling them. And then when we find them, we don't keep them very well. It's true. I see it. It's epidemic. There's a handful of folks that do it exceptionally well, but the rest of us are kind of just taking the crumbs off the commercial table. It's like if we get lucky and we get a phone call and we build a relationship, we kind of sort of keep it, but we're not very assertive or aggressive in going after this business. So let me give you a mercifully brief introduction um, for those of you, because we've only got about 20% uh, that were in the first class yesterday. I grew up in Arab, Alabama, exceptionally poor. My father couldn't read or write. Um, and we lived in an old sawmill slat house with a wood burning stove and red well water and one sink in the kitchen. Uh, we were just exceptionally poor. He convinced me to go on and get my education. I got an undergraduate in marketing um, and an MBA, neither of which are fit to wipe your hind parts with when it comes to running a business. But, you know, I paid for it. So I hang it up on the wall. That's about as good as it's good for, I suppose. Uh, I ended up building up a million dollar painting business, sold it for $440,000. I did it in a little under five years, started it in 2008. Raise your hand if 2008 was your favorite year. Yeah, I won. Who else hated it? Who else thought 2008 was the end of the world? Nah. Warm welcome to the painting industry. Here you go. Uh, have fun. You're coming into business and everyone else is going out of business. This is going to be fun for you. Um, so I built that up. I worked on U.S. Senate, U.S. House, state and local races, wrote a book on how to raise money for a political office. I've trained caucuses, congressmen, people that have ran for Senate, uh, and won. And what that really taught me, the big thing it taught me, is to be focused, that lists matter, that you can do more with your time and your resources than you think. And I've got this constant sense of urgency that was instilled in me when you work 100 hours a week and you never know if your competition is ahead or behind. And I was on the finance side, so unlike the campaign managers who got to like talk about all the reasons things were happening and nobody had voted yet, I had quarterly finance reports, which meant the whole world knew if I was full of crap or not early. Whereas the campaign manager, you either win or lose, and often you can even parlay that into another career can't do that on the finance side. So you've got to perform. And this um, crucible of performance is what I took into so many aspects of the painting business and how that's helped me um, with this process. We have used what I'm about to show you 
to generate millions and millions of dollars of commercial repaint revenue for our members. And you can use the same system in your business, and I hope that you will. So let's talk about how commercial fits in at the Academy for Professional Painting Contractors, and I think this is important. And if you were here uh, at yesterday's session, you'll understand why it is. Now we start out in our program with customer reactivation because most people have thousands of people on the list that they're not doing anything with. We've got people in here that I've talked to this entire weekend that have two million, three million, one million dollars in organic spending going on in their internal list, people they've already identified and found, yet they're doing six hundred thousand 700000 a $1 million in business, while they've got $2 million, $3 million being spent in their in-house list because they've been in business since 1435 B.C., but they don't do anything with them. You know, you might as well just give them away if you're not going to do anything with them. So customer reactivation is where we start. It's the easiest way, the quickest way to find profits immediately, whether you're very industrial and commercial. Somebody came up to me today and said, this does not apply to me. Yesterday was interesting. It really didn't apply to me. It applies perfectly. You've just got bigger eggs and a smaller basket, which means instead of light touches, you're going to invest more time and energy to keep those contacts. It's more like going from grassroots fundraising to major gifts. When you're in commercial, you've only got a few people that can write you a million-dollar check a year, a $500,000 check, a $70,000 check. You have to manage those people. Okay, You manage that relationship with more time, money, and effort than you do your residential clients but the process is very similar. So to think, always be careful um, in having lazy thinking about this doesn't apply to me, because more often than not, if it's a fundamental basic principle, it very much does, and it'll cost you a lot of money in the long run. Second thing we do is we go through the power of paint presentation process, which I actually will cover today in an abbreviated fashion. Then we start working on customer retention with the at-home and at-work monthly newsletters. Then we go to referral lead generation, how do you get leads, referrals from B2B clients? How do you get referrals from other people that are either commercial or home services? How do you go into the realtor market with a fine focus on property management companies, etc.? But you will notice that commercial repaints are last in our system. And here's the reason. If you don't do this, and this is mainly for those of you who were in the presentation yesterday, for the rest of you this will be a mystery, if you do not do this, and you do not do this, you will soon be screwed here. You'll have the same problems you've already got that led you into this room today. If you do not keep the commercial and industrial clients you have, this whole vicious cycle starts again. So retention and reactivation are critically important. That's why I wait to the end. And when I unpack the math for people, the cold, hard mathematics of retention, where you discover that it takes anywhere from five to 25 times more money to secure a new contact and to keep a past customer. If they don't process that, I just tell them, you are crazy and I cannot help you. And I don't let them join because I got somebody crazy on the phone. Because they'll just show you the math problem. You said, that's not interesting. I'm like, you're, you can't be helped. Because like, it's about math. It's very much about math. And if you ignore the math, you're going to be in trouble. So just do know that although commercial is important, if you do not do the stuff one through four, then you're never going to really make five work for you, at least not as well as you could. So, let's talk about why commercial repaint contracts are so desirable. Well, the first thing is, 
there's less admin per job. If you paint Momo's bedroom, Momo's bedroom, you gotta set the job up. You gotta send the guys out there. You gotta write up the invoice. You gotta write up the work order. You gotta schedule it. You gotta write it on the schedule. Then you gotta collect it. Then you gotta post them to the database. If you paint Momo's warehouse, same process, except for they're in the field. I love huge commercial jobs because I would go set my guys out, three or four guys, for like a month. I didn't check in with them and call them every other day. You doing something? Yeah, we're painting stuff out here. Good. You making money? Yeah. Awesome. That's it. You start painting a warehouse, I just leave you alone. You start painting a tank on a fuel yard, I just leave you alone. And then every day, I used to love this feeling when I take out my little production schedule because I just did it by hand and wrote it where they went. But Dean, Nelson, and Scott have not moved for a month. I hate it. I hate the production schedule. I hate it. I hate figuring out almost bedroom, almost deck, almost fence, and shuffling them every day. That's the most. That's the hardest thinking you do, in my opinion, as an owner, is shuffling those guys around every day. You can be really lazy in your thinking the rest of the day. I mean, you can pretty much own a painting business, kind of walk in and fiddle fart around. But when it comes time to do the schedule every day, I was like, oh. God, I hate this. I hate this. Who's going here? Well, he can't do this. Well, she can't be there. That's why I like commercial, because you set them on the daggum thing, you leave them alone. Second thing, fewer emotions. I'm not emotional. And I don't do well with emotional people. You pain in residential for lots of emotional people. Poor old ladies whose husbands are not very nice to them, and they don't see anybody all, all week long. And now something's gone wrong at the house, and you're the pastor and the counselor and everything else. And they're mad at something or sad at something, but it ain't you, but yet there you are. So there's another reason that I really like commercial. It's mainly ran by like people that just want stuff painted, and often not even painted that well. They just want it painted. Uh, so it's a lot easier. Larger profits, typically... <coughs> I'm happy for taking the same amount of profits that I got in a residential job, as long as there's more of it, maybe sometimes even a little less. But usually I found there's more. So that's a good part. Recurring revenue. Macaulay School, Transmontane Fuel Yards, uh, Chattanooga State, Unum Provident, and a handful of other people were worth thirty, fifty, dollars $100,000 to me every year, and I knew I was going to paint this dorm at this time every year during spring break. Every year. I knew it was there. So before I looked at my projections for next year, I knew here's a hundred thousand bucks. That's nice. That's a good feeling. And then finally, this is the big deal, I think, with commercial. I believe you live on your residential, you thrive off your commercial. We always treated in our household the commercial stuff like we would never get paid on it. Now, we always did because it was repaints. But when you get a $30,000, $60,000 check and you have pretended like you weren't going to get it, and then now you got it, you can pay off debt, you can pay off your house, you can buy nice cars, you can send your kids to better schools, you can sock away and max out your IRA. Money that comes in big chunks helps you get ahead. Money that comes in itty-bitty dabbling dribbles is helpful and it pays the bills and it keeps the lights on and it keeps the painters paid and it pays for the utility bill and the rent. But it doesn't like really help you get ahead as much as getting these big chunks. And that's the big reason I love commercial. 
So let's talk about what the competitive landscape is like. Buddy, it's a wide open, abandoned market. People talk to me all the time. Man, in competition's tough in my area. Ooh, it's tough. <laughs> tough out there, right? All the talking about without price. Ooh, it's tough. And you start asking them what they're doing about it. I'm like, no damn wonder it's tough for you, buddy. You're pretty lazy. You're pretty damn lazy. You're about the laziest person I've talked to today. What are you doing to find painters? Well, we post that on Craigslist and we ask my fellers if they know somebody. It's tough. Well, it's going to be tough and it ain't going to get any easier for you. What are you doing to get commercial? Well, everybody just wants price and everybody got to know somebody. You got to, and it's just like this excuse wagon. Most people would rather have a comforting excuse than a challenging opportunity. They really would. We emotionally attach ourselves to our business and we see flaws, we get all mad, and we'd rather just, you know, we take the, the coat of many excuses and we put it on and we got our 15 things we talk about while we don't do anything. This is a wide open market here, people. These poor facility managers hadn't heard from a painter in an average of a year to six months, if ever. And when they do hear from them, they hear from them once. Some poor old painter got the courage up. And he finally got to the decision maker. He said, hey, maybe like to, maybe like to paint something. Paint something. No, okay, 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 bye. I tried. It's tough. It's tough. You didn't try hard enough. So it's wide open. The opportunities are hiding in plain sight. Anybody ever watch the Duke's Hazard? Raise your hand. Grew up. What about the 18? Man, 18? They'd always, they'd take the van or the General Lee, and if they needed to hide it, they'd put like three brushes on top of it, and then run off. You remember that? And they'd always be doing something sneaky, and they'd have to hide the van, or they'd have to, and it's like two twigs, they'd put it on top of it, and they'd run off. You can see, that's bright orange. It's got a Confederate flag on top of it. You cannot hide this thing. Well, these are bigger than, than those two items. They're 40,000 square feet or bigger. If you drive by one, you will notice. They're in your town. There are these things, they're black, they're called roads, they connect you to the end. They're there. You can see them. They cannot hide them. They're not putting twigs on top of them. They're just right there. <clears throat> Number two, almost everybody who has a relationship with a commercial person, if you talk to them about how they got it, it's like a happy accident. Well, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, went to church with old so-and-so, we went out there and we painted a closet one time, and now we do a million dollars for it. It's about like that. It's never, well, we have this very specific strategy for going after commercial, and let me show you what we're doing and how we're accumulating leads on a monthly basis. It's never that. It's like, we got called, we did work once, we kind of kept them because nobody else calls them. That's what this world looks like. So, if you, and the reason I say that is so you don't be intimidated. It is not tough. There's not a lot of competition. Our industry is not very aggressive when it comes to marketing. And it's even less aggressive you wouldn't think this. It's even less aggressive in commercial repaints than it is in residential. People try harder in the residential market than they do the commercial market. Because the decision maker is a little bit harder to find. And buddy, you put up a fence this high, ain't a painter in your town will jump over it. Hardly. Seriously. About this high. It's all you need. Ooh, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. A big old fence high. I can go back to the house. Let's shuffle some paint cans around at the shop. Let's look at some invoices. Let's check the Facebook. Tough. So don't worry. You'll be just fine. So how to generate leads for commercial repaints. 
There are some fundamental laws in marketing. You cannot escape them. There's nothing you can do. Your opinion does not matter, nor does marketing care about your opinion. These are the fundamental rules. I would write them down. First one, market. Who are you going to go after? Who are you going to go after? That's why going back to your past customers is so unbelievably valuable because the, cut, the market is perfect because they did what? They gave you a freaking check. No psychographics, no demographics, no income needed. They handed you some money. They are perfect. So when you fish in that pond, you get good results. Well, we're going to go after people that are managing large buildings. When you manage large buildings, stuff needs painted more often. If your average residential customer is worth about $1,000 a year in revenue on average because they're going to spend 11000 over 11 years, we covered this yesterday, if you've got a 40,000 square foot building and your average house is 3000 they may be painting about 10 times as much. If it's bigger, they may be painting 20 times as much. If you looked at all of them like a slot machine, like if a house is a slot machine and every year you market to it, the one year you pull the lever, you get a $1,500 interior repaint. Keep marketing. One year you pull the lever and you get a fence. And then one year you pull the lever and you get the big one. What's the big one? The house. The outside. You know, ooh, a lot of money. It's fun. Now here, you pull the lever, it might be a corridor or a floor. If it's a skyscraper, it might be a whole move out. You pull it, it might be the whole outside of the warehouse. You pull it, it might be once every 30 years they paint the ceiling because it's covered in grease and it's nasty. Make sure you put cleaning into your estimate. That's expensive. I did that. <coughs> um, number two, message. Who you're going after. Most people's message in this industry, and we're going to walk through this. I'll, I'll, let me walk through the rest of it. But anyway, it's market message, medium, and timing. So you got to know who you're going after, what you're going to say to them, what you're going to use to communicate that message, and finally, there are certain times of the year that it's easier to reach these people. So let's talk about the market. Anybody know who this fellow is? No, Lord Nelson, probably the most celebrated military uh, uh, admiral of all time. And he always had a saying for his men. He goes, if we're in the cloud of battle and if things become unclear, men, and you can't read my signals through the smoke or we're in a blow, go straight out. You can hardly do anything wrong by just going straight out. It is the same in marketing. We have been, for some reason, conditioned now because of all these a handful of technological advancements in the last 10 years. Inbound marketing, and if we do this on our website, and if we Facebook this, and if we show up here, and if we stand in the street with a sign, maybe, if we're lucky, we'll get a commercial lead. We block, we'll, we'll block, we'll block commercial painting blog. Maybe we'll get a commercial painting lead. Well, maybe it's a crappy thing to put between you and opportunity. They're in the building. They're in there. It keeps the rain off of them. You just go get them directly. There's no need for all this crap that we do. I mean, yes, you should do that stuff too, but it's like secondary, maybe even tertiary. They're there. Let's just go get them directly. So go straight at them. So we're going to purchase a narrowed-down list. There's lots of different places you do it. You can, number one is you just pull up buildings that are over 40,000 square feet in your area of businesses. Second thing you're going to do is look for plant manager, Facility manager, maintenance manager, CFO, what or not CFO, usually COO. You're going to work from the top down, you're going to work from the bottom up, and you're going to have them talking about you in the elevator. 
Don't worry about spending a couple extra dollars on having more contacts per business. Doesn't matter. These guys are worth $30,000, dollars $100,000 a year. Don't be a cheap you-know-what. These are big opportunities. Spend a little money, spend a little time to go get them. So you pull this. And so you'll look in, like in my area, I've got 326 businesses that meet this criteria. That's a small list. You can spend lots of money and time on a tiny list. Easy. Easy. 326 people to manage. Not a big deal. When you go after your residential market, it's like, all right, 2.3 million. You can go broke. I'm trying to talk to 2.3 million people. People encourage you to do that. Brand and image your company. Yeah, brand and image until you're broke. You can't talk to everybody. You just can't. We're painters. We don't have Coca-Cola's ad budget. We don't have Pepsi's ad budget. We got our ad budget. It's really tiny. We got to do the most we can with it. So number one, you need to get a narrowed down list. Now, let me back up to this. Well, I'm, I, I think I'm going to cover it here in a minute. So number two, message. If you, if you, you remember this guy from Office Space? Oh no, no, don't move me down to office. We're, we're gonna have to move you down to storage B. And he walks off with this poor guy and he stole his stapler. This is your facility manager. This is your maintenance manager. He is in the basement. Raise your hand if he's in the basement. You've seen him. Who's met him in the basement? He's in office B. Okay? He controls your destiny. Your financial destiny. This fellow <coughs> controls it. The phone only rings when people are doing what? Complaining. He's overworked, he's underpaid, he's surrounded by morons. He wants somebody to acknowledge that and to say, let me tell you why our painting company's different. Your employees will not even know that we're painting. You'll never get a call from your superiors that our guys have wandered on the wrong floor and they're messed up. Our guys will never walk in and embarrass you and cause one of the fainting lilies who works here in this company to write and say that he smells like cigarette smoke. I mean, this, these are the world, this is what you can't, what we often have, the only message we have, from, and there's a, there's a saying in marketing, if you want to know why John Smith buys, why John Smith buys, you must see the world through John Smith's eyes. But what we tend to do is look through our eyes and say, we do commercial and residential, we have craftsmanship, we've been in business since 1435 BC, we're licensed, bonded, insured, same with me. It's on the side of every van, it's in every yellow page ad, it's on everybody's Facebook page. You know what, this guy doesn't give a damn about that. He's got his own problems, and he wants those problems solved. And if your message does not communicate that, then it will fall on what kind of ears? Deaf. He's heard that song before. And he doesn't want to hear it now. So you've got to talk specifically about how you solve his problems, how you keep the complaints from the employees down, and how you make certain that he never gets in trouble with his superiors, or better yet, can look good in front of them, can help them find solutions to fix their problems. We do this with two programs. One of them is a service trial program. You see this in all kinds of industries, right? Open up a ladies' magazine, and it has what in it? You know, that little thing you pull back and a little perfume sample? You go to Sam's, you go to Costco, like that lady, she's, you know, the chicken from China, it's breaded, it's wonderful. 
She gives you that, and you go, that's pretty good. I think I'll go feed that to my kids. We buy things that we stand Who's ever gone to see an artist in a concert that you didn't think anything about, but now you own like all his records? Raise your hand. Sampling. We have a program that's a free trial program to get us in the door because these guys are worth lots of money. It's not like you're not free trialing tomorrow. When you do free trials, there is a lower lead acquisition cost in most cases than if you try to sell them directly using lots of money. Most people look at it and they're so damn cheap they can't stand apart with a couple hundred dollars. But they save money if they did it. It's about the cost of lead. It's about the cost of save. And the second one we have is an FM4 strategy where we get all these people together in a room and we're just simply a facilitator. We thank them and we give them recognition and we give them uh, an ability to communicate peer-to-peer -peer because many of them don't have the ability to do that. And most of the folks that are in BOMA meetings, and I was a BOMA associate of the year, uh, are the top brass. Now, Melvin's hiring you, but the top brass is going to the BOMA meetings, especially in the bigger cities. Smaller cities, you get Melvin, but you don't get him in the big cities. So you form other opportunities for them to get together. Simple, cheap, and easy. If you can read a note card, you can do this program. So you have to have multiple programs. The message you don't want, if you can help it, is please buy our crap. Please buy our crap. We got crap to sell, and buddy, you need to buy it. That's about what we do with most of our marketing. Now, if you have the choice between please buy our crap and no message at all, please use that one. You'll still get work because they haven't heard please buy our crap from anybody else. Not at least in six months to a year. They have not heard from anybody. Call them up, ask them. What's the last time? Call your clients. Ask them, you ever get any painters calling you? I did this. Called through seven. Got one. One. I called them after I sold my business, so I knew they'd give me an honest answer. None. Except for one. And he's at a university. That's an easier target. Government, you know, they attract that type of attention. But, the, but the, the independently owned businesses do not. So you are really, in most cases, putting out messages in a vacuum, a competitive vacuum. All right. Multi-step and multi-medium. Boy, do we give up at every opportunity. I mean, we just give up. We go after somebody one time, one way, and if we hear crickets or just a little bit of response, we just give up. We need to call them. We need to email them. We need to go by, in some cases, and visit them. And we need to mail them. In sequence, in a compressed 35 to 45 day period, we need to blow their office up. And we'll talk about trying to figure out who the decision maker is. This is one of the complexities of managing this process you need to be aware of. There's only a handful of ways you can go directly and see these people. But they're worth so much money. You could almost hire somebody, and we'll talk about marketing coordinators, stay-at-home moms, uh, college students, uh, anybody who can read a script and not sound like they're reading a script can help you in this process. You don't have to do it, nor would I suggest that you do. Main, the main reason I don't suggest that you do it is because you won't. That's, that's the main reason. I could make the argument, it'd be a better use of your time, Da, 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 da. You've got more important things to do. Frankly, you don't have anything more important to do. If you did this, it would still be the best use of your time, but I know my owners. 
and they won't do it. So I don't ask my owners to do crap they won't do. So we talk about hiring marketing coordinators for 10, 12, 15, depending on the area of town you are. They, they pay off in spades because you just won't do it. You'll want to get busy with something else. Somebody will need a bucket of paint in the next county. Off you'll go. <laughs> now, screw these $100,000 accounts. Somebody's, somebody's missing a pressure washer tip. Oh, here's a super owner to the rescue. That's every, you know, the whole business plan shot for the year. That's all it takes. Jose needs a pressure washer tip. I know you people. I was you people. I did the same thing. Not as much as y'all do it, but I, I did the same thing. Um, so we know where they are. We can go get them. We've got lots of tools that really work. And I made this point in my session yesterday. When you go to the craftsmanship forum tomorrow, what are the three things they will be showing you primarily to put paint on the wall? Three tools. What are they? Brush or spray, sprayer. Three things. Have we been using those for a little while? I think it's time to quit. Maybe we should use an old shoe and a basketball and maybe a sock. Or there's got to be something new out there. Why are we still talking about this old tired crap? Because it still is the best thing that works. People want to get caught up in social media and SEO and blogging, and I do it well, and I've done it for campaigns, and I've sat on technology panels in Washington, D.C. and talked about it. I understand it. It's just down here from an effectiveness standpoint. And the people that come to you through those mediums have two qualifications, primarily. They got two fingers. You know that because they type something in. Maybe they just got one finger. But they got a finger, they type something in, and they think they want something painted. That's the sum total of their qualification. When you do this, you're at least going after people who have been qualified because they're in a big-ass building. And they've got a specific title. Okay? Better, remember the market? If we get the market wrong, everything else doesn't matter. Well, the problem with generating leads online so often is we don't know what the market is. It's like a question mark over it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Not that it shouldn't be a front end. It, should, it certainly should be. But the idea is to go from front end to back end, meaning what happens in transaction 2 through 105, not what happens in transaction 1, because transaction 1 is the most expensive thing you'll ever do in your whole career, is to get that customer to buy from you the first time most expensive thing you'll do. The most expensive thing you have in your whole business is your customer list because you paid 250 to a gentleman I talked to yesterday sitting right here. $900 cost of sale. I don't know what he's doing. So if you've got 1,000 people, and let's split the difference, and let's say it's truly 300, you've got $300,000 sitting in the list. Has anybody got a piece of equipment that's $300,000 in their office they paint with? No, but you got a list that you don't use. So we've got to do these things. It's critically important. Now let's talk about this. Has anybody ever really ran out of toothpaste? I mean really. Anybody ever really ran out of toothpaste? I mean how much toothpaste is in a tube? I mean geez Louise, it's like you think you're out. You get in there and you grit your teeth and you stand on it and you put both your feet in it and then a little bit. Brush my teeth today. That can go on for two years. It truly can. There is always, write this down, there's always more toothpaste in the tube. There's always more toothpaste in the tube. 
What we do is painting contractors, we buy a brand new big fat tube, we take the little cellophane thing and we go, and then we throw the tube away. Whew, tough. It's tough. Get toothpaste out of that tube. We need a new tube. <laughs> I broke my finger getting that toothpaste out the first time. That's what we do. We're lazy. Bone lazy when it comes to marketing and sales. You're going to get a list. If you're not careful, you're going to hand it off to somebody, your, your admin assistant, Judy. There you go. Hey, Judy, why don't you work on this list? Here's this thing this feller told me to do, and you go at it. And you're going to go run Jose a pressure washer tip on the other side of the county and hope that when she comes back, you come back, she's found you $100,000 worth of stuff to bid. You have to manage this process carefully. List management's important. So there's this kind of process we have to go through. We got started at nine, right? Okay. So there's this process we have to go through. You have to approach the list the first time. You're going to use multi-step, multimedia marketing, which you're going to call them, you're going to email them, you're going to mail them. Some of them you'll have emails for, some of them you won't. And what you're going to do is during that process, you will identify a handful of decision makers. And you will hear tale of some that you can't find. Oh, you're talking to the wrong person. Who you need is John Stancil. John Stancil's over and so, well, can you give me his number? Why, hell no. We don't do that. We've got a company policy book that's 15 pages long that describes all the reasons we can't give you the contact person. Thank you for your time. And you call back in tomorrow, you get a different person. They go, oh, yeah, here's John's information. I used to work at the financial aid office and at the university and somebody would get told no. I said, just go back tomorrow. It doesn't matter if you ask the same person or a different person. You're going to get a different answer. Just go back tomorrow. You come back enough, you'll get some money. Don't you worry. We've got piles over here. The government's paid for. What do you care? They come back. Buy they walk out and sack full money. They find some way to give people your money. They do. Same thing here. You'll get different answers in corporate America. These big businesses, when you call a second, third time, email, and after a while, it's just like the parable of the persistent widow in the Bible. Is anybody familiar with that? There was a judge who did not fear man, nor did not respect men or fear God. Yet for the persistent widow, he argued in her case before hearing the evidence. Because if you pester people long enough, and I'm keen to pester people today, but I, who's on my list in here? Raise your hand. If I pester the hell out of you, I send you stuff. Yeah, I sure will. I, I, I mentally noted all of you in here. You'll get more shit from me. <laughs> well, just, just hang on this time. Make them earlier than what you expect. Um, because, and why do I do that? Because every time I do it, I get like a handful of emails from, never mind, man, I'm getting in trouble. I get a handful of emails. This is a strange industry. Because I don't just have PDCA folks that I fish for. I mean, I fish, I'm like, for cart down on the bottom. I mean, you just never know what I'm going to catch. But every time I do it, people will like, hand me some money. So I keep doing it. Now you'd ask. You said, you're going broke sending that stuff. I don't know. Come to my house. <laughs> we eat pretty well. That's how people buy. People didn't buy, I wouldn't do this stuff. So you've got to market to them. Identify these decision makers. You've got to try your best to meet them with one of the two programs that I mentioned. And then you have to repeat this process because what you'll discover is every time you do it, you get a handful of decision makers. Let me kind of paint this picture. So over here, you're blind, right? You don't know who's in your market. You know of the handful of pe people you'd like to work for. You buy a list that's narrowed down. Now you're over here. 
you've got a little bit clearer picture of who your targets are. You've moved over through acquisition to something that's a little clearer. Now, you run your first multi-step, uh, multi-medium campaign, the first portion, the one, two, three steps out of nine. Now you get over here. Now let's say your list is three, four hundred people. Now you've found an extra 30, 15, 30 people who control lots and lots of money. And you go back and you do this process again. And by the time you get through, you may only have 70 or 80 people out of 400. But those things are exceptionally valuable. You can't buy a list of decision makers. You can't buy one. You have to create it. You cannot purchase one because they're different. They move around. You have to create it. Now, lists are important. I got called by two presidential campaigns this year to help them raise money in the state of Tennessee. Proxies. It ain't like Trump's calling me. Proxies. Um, why do they call me? Why do they call me? Anybody know? They're on the list. I own the contact list. It's bigger. Damn. It's huge. People, lots of people have given money. I wrote a book on it, which is probably helpful. But I get, mainly get called because I have a list. Even though my list is getting older by the day, yours is too. It's worth less the less you do with it. But these lists, once you build them, are incredibly powerful. Why? Because that fence is this high, remember? Painters see a fence is high, he ain't stepping over it. Too much effort, too much work, your competition. They see that and they go, woo! That's tough. It's marketing's tough. He go, I tell you what he's been He done call some people. I can't do that. That's what he'll do. Takes a very low fence to keep your competition out. These barriers to entry. Now here's the thing. They'll do lots of things. Your competition will do lots of things. But they will not think. That is your biggest advantage as a painting contractor in your market. You can write that down. They will not think hard. People would rather dig a ditch for a day than to think really hard and do something different for about 10 minutes. Who's got something on their list that's just like incredibly difficult right now you have not touched? Would transform your business? Tell that. It would take a good 15 minutes of you thinking real hard to get going. An old Greek proverb is, you know, once a, a task begun, is half done, and that's true. How many of you know that? You sit down something, you wrestle with it, and you get into it, and about 10 minutes later, oh, it's not so bad. But you were so damn scared of it, it might as well have been a python curled up in your office chair. But when you get there, and you kind of unpack it, look at it, it's all, I'm halfway done now. This is what this stuff's like. But that keeps all your competition out. Did you have a question, sir? Yeah, I was wondering, what software do you recommend using to manage your list? <laughs> that's such a funny answer, question. And somebody asked that yesterday, I swear to God. It doesn't damn matter. What do you use? I use Infusionsoft because I've got a complicated process for you. You could live if you had to. I don't recommend it in itself. You probably keep them in QuickBooks, maybe keep them in really it's like you could just your residential is one to many communication. It just needs to be in QuickBooks. You can get an email address out of it and a, and a phone number and mail. You can do everything in the world you need for a huge email. Now your facility managers are a little different. You probably need to be able to make a note and understand what's happening in the relationship. It's the only thing in painting that's really like true sales. Residential is not sales. You don't need a CRM for it. It's one-to-many communication. It ain't like you're calling up Ethel and saying, Hey, Ethel, how are you doing the kids? How's that deck looking? Okay, well, the deck's got some patio front. Why don't you make some notes in my CRM here? Well, that's good to know. How's food food? Excellent. Okay, we'll call you if you need your next name. You don't have that type of relationship with residential. It's one to many communications. You got 1,500 of them, 2,000 of them on the list. You're not going to be 
want to know those people. Your facility managers, maintenance managers are different. But see, here's the thing. The question I always get is, and I've got this set question twice, what CRM would you use? And I want to just take people by the lapels and go, I'd probably contact them first and worry about how to keep up with it later, because that's what people don't do. They don't contact them. I, 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 I could, I could do a whole presentation on CRM and everybody would run out and go buy CRM. But then when it came time to communicate with them and market to them, you'd call them six months later. How's that going? Well, we got our CRM. We loaded up our contacts and we da 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 That does not make you money. Better that you, in all honesty, write this crap down on a legal pad and start calling people than to have the world's fanciest CRM and not do anything that will actually generate the money. I'm not playing down being organized. You have to be it. But that is not what's keeping our painters poor. It's lack of action. It is lack of action. Give me a dummy who will do this stuff and be disorganized. He will make more money than the smart one who's got it all buttoned up and never gets started. My dumb ones run circles around my smart ones. I ain't going to tell which ones the dumb ones are. I don't tell them. But they are. They're making tons of money. And the smart ones... Can't get off first base. Paralyzed by analysis and trying to get it perfect. The distance between perfection and something is infinite. The distance between something and perfect is not noticeable to hardly anybody but you when it comes to marketing. Because again, nobody's doing any of this stuff. What the heck is going on here? Okay. All right. Jeez, I'm sorry to get on that soapbox, but I just see people losing money and it aggravates the piss out of me. I just can't stand it. I'm more worried about y'all's financials than y'all are. I mean, truly. I talk to people and they're so damn casual about it. What they're doing, I'm like, I'm nervous for them, anxious for them, and yet they do nothing about it. I'm like, I'm more nervous about people's lists. What are you doing with it? Nothing. And they ain't worried about it a bit. They slept last night like a baby. I'm thinking, like, that's probably the seat. Here's about 1.4 million. This is nine. You only missed about $50,000 this month. I said, times three, that's 15,000 bucks. That's what I would call a used new car. But he ain't worried about it. He's sleeping like a baby. So how to close big repaint jobs. We're going to talk about the power paint presentation process and the time that we have remaining. You've only got 72 to 96 hours to build maximum trust in this business in most cases. 72 to 96 hours. That's it. They call you or you get them and they are interested. So, so, sometimes they come to you, sometimes you go to them and the timing's right or, and you keep after them and then later they purchase. So you've got to really get after these people. Let me talk about a few cold hard facts about selling. They buy the show, not your craftsmanship. They buy the show, not your craftsmanship. Everybody's so proud of their work. The lines are straight, the walls are painted. Earl's got 83 years of experience. Look at Earl go. Good old Earl. But when you talk to them about their sales process, the thing that makes people hand you a check, it's anything but craftsmanship. Well, we get a call, I ask them what they need, and I go look at it, and then about 15 days later I email them an estimate. Sometimes I call them and sometimes I don't, but we are craftsmen. Poor 
craftsman. <laughs> That's great. I'm so proud for you. And buddy, it's like a badge. People wear it. You should be as focused on lead generation sales and marketing as you are ever focused on craftsmanship. I made lots of money in the painting business. I can't pick up a brush by the right end. I never trained anybody. I, not that you shouldn't. I think you should. I just didn't know where to start. Here's, here's your work order. Here's your checklist. Here's your labor budget. It's the closest thing you will do to working for yourself and still being employed. Go paint it. I don't want any trouble. Here's our three rules. Here's our checklist. Go do it. And they go do it. And they bring back checks. I didn't go look at it. I didn't check on it. I didn't do anything. They just brought back money. Now we get on the phone and I check, and if there was a problem, there'd be hell to pay. Because we've got three rules coming on budget, make sure they're happy. It's it, there's three rules. What you, how'd you mess the three rules up? Didn't you say you paid me for a living? And if he didn't work, I'd fire him and get another one. So craftsmanship did not make me any money, but the sales and the marketing did. You can be a great craftsman, be a terrible marketer and probably never make much money. You can be a really good marketer and a really good salesperson and not know squat about the painting business because that's how franchises do it. If it required lots of technical information, they couldn't do it. I couldn't have done it. Number two, if you use industry standards, you'll lose the price. If you, and I don't mean industry standards. I mean, if you do what everybody else is doing, you're going to constantly complain to me. Everybody only cares about price. Oh, that is such bull. That is such bull. And you notice this whole process, I haven't talked about how to calculate anything. And you will never hear me talk about how to calculate stuff. If you're in the painting business and you don't know how long it's going to take to paint something by now, you're never going to know. You're never going to know. It's hopeless. You can sit through a thousand of those. I've calculated 15 ways to screw up an estimate. You just, if you, if you don't know by name, it is unknowable. Just quit going. But just take what you've got now and just go do something a little bit different in some other area. You've learned as much as you've learned about how to price stuff. Pricing is what a clerk does at Walmart when she brings up beans. Beep. That'll be three ninety-six. Beep. That'll be the beep. You don't make a lot of money being a clerk at Walmart. Now, if you sell at Walmart and you close big jobs, you probably make a lot of money. Uh, Mr. Albright, would you close that door? I'm like a dog. If I hear something, I, I just walk up there and start talking to them. I get easily distracted. Um, they have to know why they need to pay you more. And if you don't give them reasons, they're just going to pay less. Every time. I do, and you do too. Third thing. Your costs are sunk. Being lazy only costs you more. When... Somebody calls you on the phone for an estimate. You have paid all the money you are ever going to pay. The moment you say, we'll come see you. When you have mentally committed to go seeing that person, all the money just caught on fire and burned. You're done. You paid for the lead. Gentleman yesterday had about $800, $900 cost per sale, which means his cost per lead if his closing rates are 25% means $250. Then you're going to go out, if your time's worth anything, at least $100 by the time you go there, come back, burn gas. So you're going to spend $350 or so to go out and ride an estimate, depending, every time. If somebody took $350 out of your wallet every time the phone rang with an estimate and said, I got it, you're going to get the job, you'd do it differently, wouldn't you? 
And then if you didn't, they just went, well, maybe next time. You'd do things differently. But that's what's, that's what's financially happening. We just aren't made aware of it practically. So you can do the flaming bag of poop estimate, or you can do the Mona Lisa. Makes no difference. You've already paid all the money. It's just whether or not you can charge a higher price and whether or not you close the job or not. Money spent. The difference between doing a perfect estimate and a crappy estimate takes no more time and only a little bit more money. And I'd argue it's not a little bit more money because if you close one, how many you got to close? One, two, three a year to pay for doing it right? Doesn't cost much. So now we're in the big city. Holy cow, we done got us a lead for a commercial job. Did all this marketing, somebody's done called us. Down at the XYZ company, 15,000 employees. We're going down there. We put our clean shirt on, you know, wash the car, brush our teeth, comb our hair. We're going to the city, boys. Woo! It's like the clampets. We got some commercial work. Let's go get out of these houses, boys. We'll go paint some big stuff. All right, intake process. You start the selling when you pick up the phone, and if you don't have somebody answering your phone live, you're crazy. Get that phone answered live. You're losing, hemorrhaging money every time something goes to voicemail. I answer it most of the time. I hear that on the phone all the time. I, most of the time. Huh? You only lose money part of the time. That's great. Excellent. Strive for excellence. Get the damn phone answered. It costs like 70 bucks a month. Get somebody to answer your phone. Use a service. Hell, drive it down to India Call Center if you have it. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Better it be answered that way than not answered. But best is to be answered. We're going to ask meaningful conversations. We're going to have many conversations when people call us. We're going to have some scripts on the table. We're in a book. And when they call on their commercial contact, we're going to start asking commercial questions. Because we want them to know that we've kind of done this before. If you treat a commercial customer when they call in like a debt-standing customer, they're going to wonder. But when you start asking commercial-specific questions on the phone from your receptionist, or if you use an answering service, if this, then that, and they start moving to that, that call script, well, holy crap, we call commercial-exclusive painter? Nope, you call somebody with a piece of paper in front of them. Who can read it? That's what you call. Now, you think it's the other, but we know it's this. Becky will read whatever's on the sheet, you just got to tell her to read it. So Becky reads, well, okay, you're a commercial client. Well, let me ask you a few clients about questions about your facility. Tell me about your hours of operation. Tell me about who's there. Do you have any specific data? When's the last time you did this? Are there any safety programs? Are there blah, blah, blah? Okay. What? Just a painter? Hey, I think I got the wrong number. We call our own maintenance department. What's, but the other one's Earl's painting or whatever the hell you answer your phone. Right? It needs to be better than that. And we're also going to collect information while we're on the phone that we're going to later get to use to sell these people and to show them that we're paying attention. Pre-positioning. My papa used to pay me 50 cents to till a two-acre garden. It's kind of dangerous because they're now like this, and I've got no shoes on, and there's these big metal things. He did not seem very concerned about it. I mean, that's why they call me stubby. Um, there's no toes in this one. I'm just joking. Um, so I'd have to just till that garden. Who, who likes to, to you know, mess around in the yard? Raise your hands, mess around in the yard. What happens if you plant seeds without like, tilling up anything? You start your garden this year and you don't till it. You just kind of sprinkle crap on it. 
Birds get it. Like it says in the Bible, some of it was cast on the rock, some of it was cast in good soil, some of it was cast and then the weeds came and got it. If you don't prepare the soil, again, your money's being wasted. So we've got 72 to 96 hours to build trust. How many of you are wasting the opportunity between the time you answer the phone and the time you arrive by doing nothing? Raise your hand if you've got no pre-positioning processes. Don't you raise your hand. You're not supposed to. And the rest of you are lying to me because I talked to you on the phone, you liars. I'm in a room full of liars. How can I trust you people? You're gonna, I don't know what you're going to do. I probably need to leave right now. Um, so what we do is, we number one, we send an initial email, and then we put them on an autoresponder campaign that talks about our products, our processes, and our people, and how we're completely different from any other painting contractor. I hate it when people say, do you do any pre-positioning? And they say, yeah. We make sure we remind them of the estimate time. That's outstanding. That's why people buy, because you remind them of the estimate time. No, they need to know why they're going to pay you more money, and that typically has to do with your processes, your people, and your products. If you're not telling them about that, then how are you distinguishing yourself? Because we send them an estimate time. That's, that's good. It's functionally helpful, so they don't forget you. You should probably do it, but it shouldn't be the only thing you do. And then we're going to drop information in the mail to them simultaneously. They're going to get a big package of mail. Nobody uses mail anymore. That's why I used mail. I'm the only one there. So I go there, and they're going to get information about our processes. Our people is going to be commercial specific, and it will have a commercial survey in there, depending on what type of work they're going to have us ask them to do. Interior, exterior. It's important, and you'll see why it's even more important. So before we get there, we have promised them well, Mr. Jones, uh, over the next few days, I just want you to know you're going to be getting some communications from us via email and in the mail when you get that survey. It's important that you fill that out before we arrive. So we want to make sure that we have all the information we need to give you a good bid. And once we get the project underway, there will be no surprises because we know exactly what you need at your business. That's what Melvin wants to hear. No surprises. So we're going to do that in advance. We're going to show up. And we're going to bring a gift based on whatever information they gave us during the intake process. You form an impression of somebody in the first seven seconds that you meet them. And to undo that first seven second impression is very expensive. It takes a long time and it's time you do not have. So we're going to give them a gift when we show up in the first seven seconds because we want to make sure that we have a good impression. For 20% of the population, Gifting is their love language. You don't know who it is, but it makes a big deal. And it's going to be based on what they told us, in which case they're going to be like, holy crap, this person was listening on the phone. They were able to listen and then take an action on the way here, which means they're probably pretty bright and there won't be any problems. It's more than just bribery, and it is that. Good old bribery. I mean, look around the PDCA here. You've got you know, Sherwood Woods is bribing us, Ben Moore is bribing us. Everybody's bribing. But they have company policies against bribery. Mm -hmm. Weird, weird, weird. Okay? Goose, gander, that. Overview. i got two big pet, i got lots of pet peeves. This is one of my biggest ones. It doesn't matter if you walk into a house, you walk into a commercial situation. People walk in and they go, what are we looking at here today, boss? What are we looking at? Like a dog or something. Like, what are we, it's you need something to look to private. I mean, it's just, I don't, it's just weird. And, and the thing is, when you do ride-alongs with people, the, the poor old customer 
is so damn confused. You show up, they expect you to kind of tell them what's going to happen here, yet you pitch the ball to them. Hey, Susie, what are we looking at here? And she's like, uh, uh, and I see it happening because I do right, uh, uh, well, 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 and then it takes about three seconds, she's like, I need something painted. You, you got to remember, you do estimates every day, they don't get them that much. You should know what's going on and be able to tell them what's going to happen. So we do an overview. Well, Mr. Customer, thank you for coming today. Let me talk to you a little bit about what we're going to be doing today and what I hope we're able to accomplish. First thing we're going to do is, da da da, follow by blah blah. And at the end of this, hopefully you and I will get to do business together. Does that sound okay? Great. Well, first let's start with your survey. When you go to a doctor's office or an attorney's office or your accountant, what happens when you sit down? They ask questions. You ever walk into a doctor's office and he just goes, what are we looking at here? Here's Madville. <laughs> they, just, they don't do that shit. But we do it. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. If you want to get paid like a white-collar professional, you better kind of act like one. If you, if you act like a craftsman, you'll get paid like a craftsman. If you act like a white-collar professional, you get paid like a white-collar professional. There is a dividing line. White collar professional salesperson is like in charge right up until here. Once the order is signed, the craftsman needs to take over and make sure that the promises we made over here show up over here. And then the craftsman goes to sleep and then the salesperson and the marketer has to start the whole process over again. It's like a sandwich. Sales, craftsmanship, sales. But what we do is <laughs> craftsmanship, craftsmanship, craftsmanship. Good luck to you does not work very well. So when we walk up, we're going to diagnose. We're not going to sell. We're going to sit down. We're going to ask a lot of questions based on the survey. It is almost impossible to get yourself in trouble asking questions. Just like if you go to a cocktail party and you spend all evening asking somebody about themselves, they will tell you you are the best conversationalist they ever met. Because people like to talk about themselves. You ask Melvin about his stuff, he'll talk your ear off. And if you are not very confident in your sales ability, taking a diagnostic approach is probably one of the safest things you can do. And especially when you go to hire an estimator, you don't have to hire a salesperson. You just have to hire, hire somebody who's honest and trustworthy and who can measure. So we're going to start off with the diagnostic process. The second thing we're going to do is put on a show when we measure. It has nothing to do with what you need. I don't need to do all that to give them a price. No, you don't. You might need to do all that to get their money, though. Jeez, people. Come on, this is sales. So you got to look up, and you got to hem, and you got to haul, and you got to measure, and you got to take out your stuff and some magic dust and a potion, and you got to, you know, do a dance and shit so they think that you've really tried hard and there will be no problems. When you go to a restaurant and you make a complicated order and people do not write it down, what happens? It is going to get meatloaf, you get, you know, banana nut bread comes out. What happened here? Oh, well, I've got a photograph of memory, you see. No, you don't. You never do. And if you don't look like you're, now if you go out and make a big show of it, and if it looks like it's really complicated and hard and you're getting all this stuff, and then Jim Bob comes behind you and kind of goes, say two man, three days. Two days. That'll be, yeah, it's about three. 
I think I've seen everything I need to see here. They're thinking there's going to be problems. There's going to be lots of problems with this one. That's what you want them to feel. Now, you may be able to do that. And maybe you're actually, I've got some guys who are doing that. They're measuring and they're doing all this crap and they go, about two or three guys. <laughs> and they're still doing it, but they don't look like they're doing it. You can still be eyeballing, and that's all well and good as long as you don't lose your butt. That's fine. Whatever. I don't try to change people's habits there. I'll let other people do that. I'm all about selling this stuff. But P.T. Barnum knew that it's about the promotion. It's about the show. You've got to give people a show. You may not think that it's a performance, but by golly, you're performing. And if you perform well, they'll pay you lots of money. If you perform poorly, they will pay you poorly. You must perform. It's a performance. The leave behind book. They don't trust you. For good reason. Our industry's terrible. Awful. Show up at Sherwin Williams in the morning, look around. It ain't a dinner party. It's not. I'm sorry, no, 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 no. I know everybody gets upset. Whatever. Politics, look around. They're lazy thieves. I was in both politics and painting. I prefer the painters. That's why I'm here. But I have no illusions about what my industry was like. That's why I addressed the problems that people had in their mind. If you don't talk about it, it's not as if it goes away. They're still thinking it. Best you talk about it. So, 72 to 96 hours. We can't leave to go do the on-the-spot estimate, which in many cases we can still do in commercial, and let them start checking emails and playing Angry Birds because we're losing an opportunity to sell them. When I worked at my business, we had a leave-behind book that was full of surveys and testimonials and everything. There's a three-ring binder and it's this thick. And I'd walk up and go, well, we're going to go out here and look at stuff and here, thump! Don't you look through this puppy right here while I'm out there and there'll be a quiz when I come back. <laughs> Won't you tell me what you think? They'd start flipping in there, Neville and Mama and the facility manager, and everybody just said how wonderful we were, and we had awards and pictures and papers and stuff. And you put a little yellow sheet in the middle that said, are you really reading this? And they'd giggle at it when they came back in because they'd actually read it and put it in the middle. If you're reading this, there will be a prize. Um, you've got to. They don't believe you. They should not believe you. They've been lied to all their life. Their politicians are lying to them. Their religious leaders are lying to them. Painters have already lied to them in the past. They think you're there to lie. So you've got to give them proof other than you just telling them that you're a good person and you've been licensed and bonded and the business is 1435 B.C. and your daddy started the painting business back before the Great Depression, so on and so forth. You've got to give them more. So we're going to leave that leave behind book with them. Then we're going to do the company storybook when we come back in. <laughs> If you do not spell out a difference, there is none. People are always upset because they lose the price. And I start quizzing them on their, on their estimate process. And I go, when, when in the process do you, do you talk about maybe how your products, your processes, or your people are different? Well, they should know. They should be able to tell. With what, a crystal ball and a Ouija board? Slick, these people have to be spoon-fed this stuff. Or they do not know. If you don't spell out a difference, they can't see a difference. How are they supposed to pay you more if you don't give them a reason to pay them more? You can't. 
You can't. They will not. And that, that, and it's residential commercials, the same thing. It's a slightly different message. But what are we worried about in commercials? Same crap we're worried about residential. You have to explain it a little bit differently. Now, the husband's not complaining. The workers are complaining. Everybody's complaining about now you're not leaving a mess at the home, you're leaving a mess somewhere else. Same crap. People thought, this always kills me. Oh, my resident, I'm just a different business. I'm just, we do lots of commercial, just different. They're completely different than residential. Woo, completely different. And I always ask them, where does that person go when they leave at the end of the day? Their car? Home. They live in a residence. They're the same damn people. They just go to a different building and they do stuff for eight hours here and then they go right back there. They're the same people. They're humans. They have the same worries, fears, and concerns. They're just slightly different. The process is the same. <coughs> On the spot estimates. Who is emailing their estimates in here? Stop it. Stop this crap. It's insane. You're losing money hemorrhaging it. Write it down that I'm never going to email an estimate again, please. You will make... I want you to send me some of the money you're going to make. If you still do your same process, you incorporate nothing that I have seen here today. You have put, had earwax in your ears the whole PDCA conference. You've learned nothing. Nothing. Write that down. Quit emailing my estimates, and you'll make more money, and I want you to send me a royalty check. I'm only going to take 5%. But when you start doing this, you're going to see three things. Your closing rates go up. You can charge more money for the same estimate, and it takes less time. You know how much time it takes to leave a place, forget it, go have a cup of coffee, see three other estimates, get home, tired about 6.30 at night, start trying to remember what the hell you did, take it out, put it back on the table, and then get confused by this other thing and your kid runs in, and then the wife needs trash taken out, and then now you got, now it's day two because you have a soccer term. Now you got 12 of the bastards piled up on the desk. And you can't remember anything. Yes, let me get through this rant. So, and not only that, how many of you get on the phone with people chasing fundamentally stupid stuff all day? Did you get the estimate? Did you check your spam? Oh, sometimes it goes in spam. Oh, you got it, but you didn't read it. Oh, you read it, but you didn't read it closely. Oh, you read it, but now you're confused. You're 15 calls into this process. When you take the stupid estimate and you put it under somebody's nose and you say, let me talk to you what's here. Let me walk you through this. You know they saw it. You know they got it. You know they read it. You know it's thoroughly explained. So when you call them, there's none of this. 15 emails of, did you get the email? Did you check your spam? Did you read it? Did you open it? You just want to lay down the floor. It's stupid. It's stupid. Number two, cheap stuff sold by email. Who's selling houses by email? Anybody ever bought a house by email? You get an email, I got a house for sale, and you just kind of buy it. Cars, life insurance. If it's important and expensive, it's sold face to face in our culture. And if you try to sell it through an email, you're stupid. Can't be done. It can be done, just not as well. Success is over here. Don't pile up a bunch of barriers between you and success. It's hard enough to get their money. It's impossible when you put up all these artificial barriers. It's just in, quit emailing your estimates. Yes, ma'am. Well, I can see that that would look in a lot of cases, even though it's still going to be almost all, but what if you have to something you really need to get Sometimes you do actually have to do this. If that's the case, 
especially commercial, it's worth a million dollars, come back, come back, present it in person. It's expensive. How many of you, if you took your wife, you found out your wife had a heart condition, and she needed to be operated on by a surgeon, and you went and saw the surgeon, and he said, well, that ticker's looking pretty rough. I'll email you something. <laughs> you look over his wife and go, honey, let's get out of here. He ain't cutting on you. But yet we want to ask for the same amount of money. I mean, heart surgery runs about $100,000. We're asking for $100,000. We want to sell it by email. Shoes and beans are sold by email. Not this stuff. Too expensive. You're crazy. Quit doing it. You want to argue with me about it later? That's fine. But don't poison the minds of the people in this room with this email business. It's wrong. Post-position. We use post-positioning landmines. Teaches them how to hire a residential or commercial painter, and then it gives them the preponderance of proof in summary of why they should hire us and why you should ask for this information if anybody else comes behind us because this is what you really need. Now, most of these guys, unlike residential people, don't bite on this as hard. But here's the thing. It shows that we care. It shows that we're professional. It gives them a pile of proof. I believe strongly in leaving people with tangible things in a digital world. Who reads as much out of the APC online edition as they read out of the magazine? Same amount of volume. Who reads more out of the magazine than they read out of the e-newsletter? Who's the reverse? Nobody. I just did a survey. So if you want to argue with me, it's nobody. <laughs> and you're the freaking survey group. Stop this stuff. It's stupid. Yes, it's digital and it's nice and it's pretty and it's wonderful. That's great, but it doesn't work. People do not consume long-form information digitally as well. You can get a little bit in, but a little bit doesn't always close the deal. So, multi-step follow-up programs. I can't tell you how many people will knock it out of the park, and then when it comes to follow-up, it is so weak and so wimpy, it's ridiculous. If you're not harassing these people by mail, email, and phone, and by going to see them, especially commercial, or physically showing up, hey, Earl, I haven't heard from you. I'm right here in your office. I think you got $100,000 I'd like to have. Can we do business here? We've got to quit being lazy about our businesses. It's too important, especially in commercial. Now, you don't have to go see Mama about her bedroom. You probably still need to call her and email her and get a system set up. But when Earl's got a $150,000 job, go see his ass if he's not calling you back. It's expensive. You've already paid. You've done through this process. Let's get some money out of him. Now, after you write these estimates, after you find these decision makers, whether they need an estimate or not, we're going to market to them until they do one of two things. Buy or die. If they buy, we're still going to market to them. If they die, we're going to market to the next guy that comes in their position. Look at this hole. That's a big ass hole, man. That's a big ass hole. Oh, I'm sorry, I heard that sounded. I didn't mean for it to sound like that. That's funny, though. That's funny. People have snickered out there. That's funny. I would have snickered at that. I'd have probably laughed out loud because I have a seventh grade sense of humor, and I'm very crude. Um, so, all they're looking for is eating bitty diamonds. Eating bitty diamonds. Tiny things. 
And they just keep digging because they keep finding them. Once you find a good lead source, once you've got a good list, what we tend to do as painters, we kind of get down here and we scratch around a little bit and we get one and we're like, oh, damn, I've done a bunch. And we put it in our pocket and we just leave. There's more diamonds in this mine, but we just stop. It is insane. Kristen, you pass out those papers, I was about forgot. Um, so that's really, she's going to pass out some papers. If you want to meet with me during the trade show, if you'll just pass those by, I'm going to be just meeting with people by appointment in the booth to talk about their main business. We can talk about customer reactivation, retention, etc. It doesn't matter. Um, you just fill that out, hand it to this lovely lady, and she'll help you. Now, in closing, and I'm going to take some questions. I'm right on time. I think we've got maybe five minutes for questions. Now, most of you in here, having seen what I have just presented, are going to walk out of here. I'm just going to tell you the truth. You're going to walk out of here and do nothing. Absolutely stone cold nothing. We're going to mistake the casual underwareness or, or casual awareness of like implementing things. That they're not the same. You can be casually aware that a building is on fire and kind of understand how fire works. But if you don't leave the building, you're toast. That's what most people do. They sit in something like this and they're casually aware that they need to contact their past customers. They're casually aware that they... And they feel like because they're now casually aware of it that they have done it. You have done nothing yet. Please do something. Here's the deal. If you got an invoice for all the money you're losing in your business at the end of every year, you would change. If you got an invoice for the money that you are hemorrhaging, losing, and handing to your competition, you would change. Here's the deal. Operations is constantly chewing on your hind parts, isn't it? Mama's bedroom didn't get painted right. We've got people over at XYZ Corporation. They did over there, and they've got a production schedule. So you're constantly running pressure washers and paint cans and checking on stuff and making sure invoices are out and that money's coming in. Because if you don't do that, what's invoice, what, what's operations do? Operations eat your freaking lunch. And you're in trouble. Sales and marketing. You will never get a call from XYZ Corporation and Bob said, hey, I just wanted to call and tell you I've done two things today. I called the Better Business Bureau and made a complaint and uh, I just handed a $250,000 job to your competitor because you're such a crappy marketer. I hope you're damn happy with yourself. Please. You won't ever get that call. Is anybody ever got that call? Complaint to the Better Business Bureau because your poor crappy marketing habits? Nope, never will. You have to understand what you're missing and then do something about it. You are the only stinking person who can fix this problem. You. Not your staff, not your receptionist, not your buddy, not your employees. You. If you don't do anything about it, it ain't going to take a team on steak off of Brandon Lewis's table. But it'll come right off of yours. So please take this stuff we've talked about today and do something with it. You just need to damn do it or no. You just need to do it or no. But don't talk to me about it. Don't talk to everybody else about it. Don't talk about it around a cocktail table. You just either write down, right now on the top of all your notes. Just seriously, on top of your notes, either write down yes or damn no. And if it's no, just wad up the notes, and when you leave, throw the damn thing away. You're not going to do anything with it anyway. If it's yes, then frame it, make a checklist, get on the phone, and start doing it when you get back to your office. It's in the doing that things get done. 
So at the APPC, we put all this on a silver platter for you. I've ran people through this process over and over again. We've done it for you tools and lots of support. I'm not going to chew your ear off about it because they're very picky about pitching people at the PDCA. They don't want you to ever be sold anything now. And I'm not going to sell you anything. I'm not selling you anything now, just in case you're wondering. But if you will hand your order form, I'm just telling you your request form to Kristen in the back, I'll talk to you. If anybody ever talks to you about marketing and sales and they do not try to sell you, you do not trust that person. Seriously. I'd be like if a painter came into your house and he didn't paint anything. You'd be like, hmm, is he a painter? Probably not. Somebody talks to you about marketing and sales and they don't try to market or sell you, that person is a moron. So I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk to me today. Who has their golden tickets? Golden tickets. We've got one, two. Would you hand them? Kristen, would you come get these? If you brought your golden tickets, we're going to do a drawing right now, and then I'm going to take questions. Oh, I've got to get to the trade show at like 1030. I'm meeting people. So I can take a couple of questions. Go ahead, a couple of questions if you got questions. Questions? Man, I'm so good. Nobody ever has questions. Yes, sir. What? Yours in the hotel room? What's it say here? Must bring. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I'm a hard ass like that. That's one of the instructions. You're on the ticket. I'm just joking. I'm not able to. I can't, I can't do the drawing. You know, imaginary ticket. Okay. Um, here we go. I, Gustavo. Can, can we give it to somebody else? Yeah, I'll make you send you both things. You're a lucky son of a bitch. I need to, uh, I need to follow you around. All right, one, two, three. Joel Hamburg. There you go, Joel. Would you like the uh, ultimate $100,000 trade show marketing toolkit or the Power Paint Quick Start Painter Recruitment Toolkit? One's for finding painters, the other is for marketing and trade show. I'll, I'll do that. Marketing, very good. I'll put a circle on it, and that's what you'll get. Questions? Because I've got your sprint over to the show. Yes, sir. Some of these items that you've covered here this morning are kind of fascinating because PDCA, we do have industry standards. We do have our craftsmanship form. So I don't know how to build what I'm going for being a PDCA member and what you're presenting because it does make sense. But I don't know how I could. Well, the problem is we don't have marketing standards. Like contact your customers, what are you doing to sale? Like that is like wide open. Now, how do you paint a handrail? But we got that down. Paint that handrail. Try two millimeters and four inches away, and you can see it from 15 yards. It's like 15 pages. I paint handrail. I'm sure. I've never looked at it. But we've got none for the rest. One person says this, the other person says that. We don't know if it's right. We just try to muddle our way through it. It's unfortunate, but it's a reality. I wish I could tell you something different. But that's kind of how we are. That's where we are. That's the state of affairs. Other questions? Yes, sir. Um, you were talking about when they fill out the survey and give you the information. One of the things you do when you approach them is you bring a gift. Yes. What type of gift are you bring? Depending on what you get, you know, I'll tell you what, something that's really nice. Uh, I have found, if you go to Amazon, uh, there are lots of used, not used, maybe they are used, uh, books on facility management. You know, facility manager's guide to da 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 da, blah blah blah. They don't cost that much money. Some of them are expensive. You can find them in different places. We used to bring that. We used to ask them, um, you know, do you have a favorite football team? 
because guys, it's mainly guys, and there's a handful of women facility managers, but it's largely 40-year-old men, 50-year-old men. That's usually who you're going after here. Um, and we'd ask them, you know, the favorite football team or something like that. And, it, you know, you only have a handful of SEC people. And if you couldn't get the football team, you'd get the other thing. And then you show up and go, hey, I remember we talked on the phone, and, you know, Susie asked you, that we thought you were pregnant. You know, we wish we had Phil Fulmer back, so on and so forth, if they're a Tennessee fan or whatever. Um, so you just, it's just nice. Because nobody does this crap anymore. It's like, what you do? Well, I tweeted to them or something. People don't care about that. Guys, you yes, sir, one more question. Wouldn't that facility manager bookstore to tell the guy here, you better learn what you're doing? Yeah, well, just, <laughs> well, I mean, who cares? I mean, it's, it's just the thought that you gave him something. Hey, we always give this to people, and it's just, you know, we've had, this was recommended to me by one of our best clients over at da-da-da-da-da. He said he got a lot of helpful stuff out of it. We always bring this when we go into commercial estimate. So, I don't know, versus what? Nothing. That's usually what people's alternative are. Well, what would you do different? I don't know. Well, then do this instead. This is better than nothing. That's what I always tell people. Guys, you've been exceptionally kind. I appreciate your time and attention. Go make some money for me, please.